A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Have it get 30, 30, bet you get 30, bet you get 20, 20, 20, bet you get 20, 20, bet you get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the Filmmakers Podcast. This is a podcast where we talk filmmaking, from indie film to studio films and everything in between. How to get them made, how to make them, and how to try not to F it up, in our very, very humble opinion. Today, we're talking about making an indie feature in LA with the team behind LA Overnight, and how you can write a feature, produce one, and star in an indie and get it made on the streets of LA. I am Giles Alderson, director and co-writer with Johnny Grant of the psychological horror film The Dare and The World of Darkness. And I produced Stan and Poppy Cousins' row, A Serial Killer's Guide to Life, which is now in post. We're coming at you from Skype today, an occasionally shoddy form of phone line, but it's free, so why do we complain? So if you like this podcast, do subscribe to us on iTunes or retweet us on Twitter. Go there, find at Filmmakers Pod and do your best. Check out our other podcast episodes with Acting Legends, Mark Strong or Rupert Grace or director Jamie Thrace or Joey Answer. There's loads more. Why not? Treat yourself. Joining us today to talk filmmaking is the team behind the brilliant noir thriller L.A. Overnight. Leading ladies, Arielle Brackfeld, Ashley Park, and the screenwriter, co-producer, and he also stars in it, it's Guy Jackson. Hello, everyone. Hello. Hi. Hi. Uh, So, we're all on different Skypes, which I love. So, we're all in different places. So, why don't you tell everyone whereabouts you are. Arielle, let's start with you. Um, I am currently in rainy Glendale, California. Uh, Wow. How rainy is (laughs) it? Is it as rainy as England? Because we've had a lot of snow recently. Oh, no. no. We we cannot make that claim. But the the amount of rain we're getting is rare for LA. Right. Right. Okay, good. That's nice then. So it's still warm. You can still wear a t-shirt, but it's raining. Yeah? Okay. Good, good. And, uh, and Guy, whereabouts are you? I, I'm in Silver Lake, uh, which is kind of another part of LA. Uh, uh, and it's also raining here. <laughs> right. right, so it's kind of travelling across. Yeah, alright, fair enough. <laughs> Ashley, whereabouts are you? Are you in LA as well? I am also in LA. I'm on the west side, and it's also raining over here. (laughs) There we go. It's raining everywhere right now. Absolutely love that. Um, Okay, so this podcast is all about helping people get off their asses and make their first film, or the harder part, keep making films, make their second films. So let's start at the beginning. Um, How you all got into filmmaking? How you became who you are? because uh, Ariel, obviously you're an actress, you produce, you write, um, you've done so many genre films. Um, do you want to uh, tell us a little bit about you? Tell us what, how did you start? What was your beginning in the first place? Sure. Um, I was a theater geek in, in elementary school and, and middle and high and, and was fortunately able to participate in the local film community in Colorado. 
mm-hmm. um, and uh, actually fell in love with with filmmaking through a fan film called Return of the Ghostbusters. Oh, that sounds amazing. <laughs> it has a lot of heart and a lot of mistakes, but a lot of heart. Um, and uh, it's it's actually the same group of filmmakers that I moved out to LA with after after we uh, left film school. Well, and what happened with that film? Because making a fan film is is uh, one guys who came on the podcast uh, before Tony Cook and Gene Flays. They talked about they made a Superman fan film, and how difficult it was because there's certain guidelines you've got to do is it the same with the ghostbusters one yeah we uh we actually got a cease and desist from uh from sony at one point um and this is you know this was before kickstarter and indiegogo this this was back when it was just message boards and paypal and um it was it was the first feature-length ghostbusters fan film and uh, we actually got a lot of community support. Believe it or not, there are a lot of ghost heads out there. And uh, it was so it was a phenomenal community support uh, element, but also terrifying getting a cease and desist letter from from Sony. My my advice is to make it. You know, it's it's you aren't going to be able to to sell it or, or make money off of it. But if you connect with uh, a franchise and and you want to add your voice to that ongoing story, do it. I mean, there, there's going to be fans out there that appreciate the, the new voice that you bring to it. Absolutely. And because of that, you can then show it to people. You can show producers, casting directors of your work. And, you know, Absolutely. And it's, it, we already know what it's about. We already know it. So, I, I, yeah, that sounds brilliant. The, the entire budget of the movie was under five grand um, back in the PayPal days. Wow. Uh, so we it got us our first gigs out here uh we were we were able to move out here based off of um introductions and stuff we got off of that movie and and that team and uh it made la a lot less scary moving out with a group of friends i bet i bet so you made the fan film and you, you made um chemical peel as well you made the, yeah. the the haunting of wally house um <laughs> and snake out of compton as well recently um so how you obviously you've built up really nicely. Um, how when you first came out to LA, how was that? And how was actually oh. trying to get work? LA is terrifying. I mean, it's there. There's a lot of truth in in Los Angeles overnight, just with how daunting the the process of working in this industry is. I mean, not not just as an actor, but as a filmmaker. Mm. Um, and and I don't I don't think that that. I don't think that that fear ever goes away because it really is gig to gig anyway. Even when you do start working, you you don't know what your next project's going to be <laughs> until you get it. Absolutely. Um, yes. <laughs> so it's like uh, uh, there there's I I don't I I don't think that LA is ever going to be welcoming to to filmmakers trying to get their career started but there are fantastic communities out here you just have to know where to look um so i think coming coming out with the group of friends from film school helped tremendously because it gives you a base it gives you people that'll work on your stupid projects (laughs) and uh you know um hey hey I, I need you to run camera okay okay i'll do it but you need to run sound for mine next week okay fine um yeah that's great though isn't it that's kind of what you want you want that lovely community around you and the spirit and and if you find those people you hang on to them and you know the ones that are good and the ones that it's the same here 
you know you, you obviously when you're first starting out you come to london it's like right i'm gonna make films well how do you do it la always sounds like it might be an easier place but it's not there's just more of you over there right i mean therefore you've it, it's it's even harder to break through you know it's it's really interesting just because like I, I really only got heavily into producing I'd say the last three years and up to that point I was focused solely as an actor and I felt so disempowered and so just thrown to the winds of, of this industry as an actor and only when I started heavily producing um, Chemical Peel was a good a good intro into that in terms of like a quote unquote real movie not not a pre-existing franchise mm. <laughs> <laughs> um and, uh, you know, like actually just seeing, OK, we can take responsibility for making our own stories. Yes. Um, we 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 can actually take our career future into our own hands. It's one of those with technology that's available now. There is really no excuse not to make films. If, if you have a story to tell, the best thing you can do is try and tell it and get off your ass and, and do it. And there is no guarantee of, of overnight success or even sustainability. Mm-hmm. But you you have everything that you need to to make a film and be a filmmaker. Ashley just produced her first her first feature as well. Yeah, Ashley, you've you know you seem to have a wonderful career. Tell us again before we get onto your producing. What how what was your start? Where, did, where what was your background? Funny enough, my background was always in athletics. I was a cross country and track athlete for about twelve years, I think, competitively, and I started off with broadcast journalism that was my major and somehow I just decided I wanted to take some acting classes and I did and found I loved it and just started acting at that point and recently just this past year I tried producing for the first time so um, and I also was doing pageantry randomly in the middle there so it's kind of been a, a random journey for me yeah that sounds what it sounds great I mean and, and in terms of the producing side of it how did it feel sort of going do you know what I can create my own work sure well I produced a film and about it, it's a true story film uh, is what it was intended to be and it's um it was something that was very near and dear to my heart i put a lot of my heart and soul into it and i executive produced and produced it all alone wow. <laughs> so it was quite a task um, i had a cast of about 40 people and uh, it was a very large undertaking for a first-time producer so i kind of learned a lot of things the hard way but i was very proud of the work that i put into it and um for the amazing cast and people that came on board to help wow sounds good what's it called uh it's called surviving theater nine great okay we'll have to check that out as well and um yeah. uh, congratulations how it was, so the whole process of doing that must have been liberating. Yes, it was It was definitely something very, very new for me. I'm currently getting my MBA in, in uh, marketing, and I'll be done in the next month or so. And wow. So it was... Loads yeah, of different so things. It it's amazing. Of, I know. I, like I said, very random. <laughs> but um, yeah, it was, it was really, really, really eye-opening to kind of uh, work on a project where I was responsible for uh, getting it all together and putting everyone together and I have to say everyone on Los Angeles overnight helped me so much I can't tell you how many times I reached out to people and I'm like oh my gosh I'm dying help me with this or help me with that (laughs) who do you know yeah so 
amazing when you have a great community of actors, producers, writers, directors, just people who understand how hard it is to make your own film and uh, how difficult and uh, grueling it can really be. And um, I was so grateful for the number of people who jumped in and helped. That's great. Um, <laughs> Guy, let's talk to you about your lovely journey as well, because you're, you're a novelist, you're a screenwriter, um, you're a producer, and you act as well. Um, you wrote the short film Gentle Lovers <laughs> as your, your first film. Do you want to tell us, tell us about your journey as well? Well, I, I was always loved film when I was a kid and stuff, uh, but then I took like a weird turn through theater in college, and so I sort of did theater for about 10 years and and was in Chicago doing theater, and, and then uh, I moved on to even weirder thing, not weird, but uh, <laughs> uh, uh, I would write these uh, short stories and perform them in a perform them at open mics you know because i was like i don't want to spend four weeks rehearsing a play anymore i'm just gonna go and perform but then of course the time you spend rehearsing the play is the same amount of time you spend waiting for your spot on an open mic night so it was all anyway but <laughs> so it's all just a waste of time but so yeah i would perform it just kind of be a storyteller except my own stories and and I did that for a while, and it was kind of just bef just as uh, film was changing over to digital. So um, our struggle was we actually got real film to make that movie, Gentle Lovers, and we sort of went bankrupt because <laughs> it costs a lot of money to process film. So mm -hmm. then I moved to London and uh, with my wife Holly and. Uh, she sort of picked me up off the sidewalk in San Francisco and moved to London and I got a hold of this pirated uh, editing program and a camera and just started making those crazy little YouTube videos they have all over there. Yeah, and so then I was completely ready for Michael Chrysalakis to come along and say, hey, you want to just make this movie in one weekend? <laughs> and that's uh, obviously five Los years later, Los Angeles overnight. Yeah. <laughs> uh. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love the fact that you started off with, do you want to make this over a weekend? Yeah, we'll just do a feature film over a weekend. Sure, why not? It's almost that naivety and that sort of get up and go spirit that you kind of like, look, fuck it, let's just go and do it. And then you sort of realise what goes into it and how long it takes. But that gumption and that, you know, not knowing sometimes goes in your favour. Because once yeah. you've done it, you realise how hard it is and how much goes into it. And you're like, if I knew that, would I have started off the same way? But, mm -hmm. um, you know, that's, exactly. that's what gets you through. I mean, you've got a great cast. You've got Azim Rizk. You've got brilliant people like Peter Bogdanovich, Lynn Shea, Dan Balkaban. Camilla Jackson as well, Julian Bain, Ruben Pyre, Lib Campbell, Jamie Lee Ackerman. I mean, it's a really cool cast and it's a wonderful film and we're going to get on to that. But I really quite like the fact when you talked about the table read and you talked about auditioning. What, what was your first thoughts, girls, when you first got the script? Ariel, let's start with you. I had just started a position um, as a film project manager for Los Angeles Unified School District uh, mm -hmm. for their arts branch when... Uh, Kimmy Yan, who, who's another producer on the film, uh, called me and was like, hey, you know, we're, we're doing this very unofficial impromptu uh, read. And, and I think I think you'd, you'd be great for for the lead if you want to come down and do that. And I didn't realize that that was serving as my audition. Um, <laughs> so, 
And, and afterwards, Guy and Michael both came up to me and were like, we, we'd love to offer you the part of Priscilla. I'm like, oh, wow, that's awesome. I would love to take it, you know? She's phenomenal. Of course, um, yeah. How nice. <laughs> and and at that point, you know, it was, it was no... It, Everything was very upfront. Like, okay, we we have you know these four days scheduled at this point, and we're looking to film across weekends. I'm like, I totally understand. I'm completely there with you. Um, that's that's what you do with low budget indie films. Yeah, um, you shoot when you can. Yeah, you shoot when people are available. If that's what you've got to do, you haven't always got the luxury of doing three weeks solid or you know longer if you're lucky. Yeah, you've exactly. got to break it up. Exactly. And you've got to and, work and as well. You've got to you've got to earn money and do yes. your, your, your real job in that sense. At the time, you've got to go. Okay, I've got to carry on. Um, exactly. No, it's a great way of doing it. And it was. It was. It was just. It was amazing because I got to. I got to participate. You know, at at the top. Like I actually brought in Azim uh, Risk, who I had known from um, a fencing place that I that I you know frequented as both an instructor and, and teacher. And we uh, we ended up uh, doing some Jedi sword fights on set when we were bored at one at one point, which was really fun. Um, and uh, you know, it was just like I, I'd worked with Ruben uh, Plaw and Chemical Peel and a few other films, so it was like it was it was really in the world of the community that that I already knew, which was phenomenal. And it was my first opportunity to work with Lynn Shay and and Sally Kirkland and Peter Bogdanovich. And um, but the the audition happened without me knowing it, which was which was really funny. That must be um, yeah, that's nice, isn't it? The fact that you, you, you could just do a table read and then suddenly, you, you know, they're offering you the part. That's a lovely way to audition in, in a sense, isn't it? <laughs> it was lovely. I mean, that that is the most stress-free audition I've ever had. Exactly. Um. <laughs> Ashley, was it, what about your audition, Ashley? What, what was your impression of the script uh, when you first read well, it? I- I did a more traditional audition, actually came in and did the whole, you know, nerve wracking mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> in front of the camera audition. But no, I um, I don't mind it. But yeah, I when I first read the script, I think I was really excited. Um, I was pretty new to acting and I had done a couple of things uh, before that, but still pretty new as an actress and kind of getting my feet wet in the industry and learning Hollywood. And I just felt like it was going to be something really, really cool to work on. So I was super excited about it. That's, it's lovely to hear. And I imagine guys over the moon to hear that too. It's, <laughs> it's got this, uh, obviously it's got the David Lynch feel to it. It's got Coen Brothers-esque uh, sort of, it. you know, it nods the hat to all that sort of Alain Noir-esque idea of filmmaking and, and the feel of it. It really is a great film. Uh, Guy, when you were writing it was all that in your mind were you really thinking i'm gonna go for a noir take i'm really gonna you know this is the market we want to aim for when you started writing it tell us about that process like i'm a very weird uh, oh sorry you can probably hear my dog oh, what's your dog called his name is Clyde. He's uh, he's out in the other room, oh, so you lovely. shouldn't do lovely. this. We love dogs. I've got a dog too. Yeah. <laughs> I'm kind of a, a pretty uh, surrealist writer, and and so it's actually uh, good for my writing help that that uh, 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 Michael came along because he he's very he's kind of the straight man in our little comedy duo and he set me these boundaries and actually had the initial story for LA overnight. He's like, 
I, you know, his, his thing is thrillers, and he he started in a lot of short films in Australia uh, that were all thrillers, and so he he's like, okay, I want to do a Hitchcock thing about L.A. Um, and I want a, a, a waitress and she's an actress and she's struggling and she overhears something in a restaurant and that's, and go with that. <laughs> and so, but speaking from, and I was like, Oh, I don't know. I'm not really a Hitchcock guy. And he was like, no, no, it's okay. You write good emails. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great. Would that be to get a job on every time you write a good email? Uh, well, your email was very succinct, so I'm going to give you a job in this uh, for this newspaper. <laughs> but this was after many years of not getting a job. So, <laughs> of course. You, know, you have to pile up the, uh, the debt. And then, mm-hmm. some, you pile up. And then you get exactly yeah you pile up all the ones that have, have faded and the yellow edges they're all up on the, the corner of your office i imagine yeah and there's right at the top the one that they say yes to yeah we've all been there with that um michael the director told you this idea about you know he, he wants a, a waitress and she's an actress and she overhears something and then you, how did you run with that from there did your mind just go wild and go right i'm, I'm just gonna chuck these ideas in and see what works well geez it like took me uh, crazy long time to write it seven months you know it was good for me because i had really uh, we're talking about how tough hollywood is mm-hmm. uh and i think that's important to your podcast really so i i should say uh you know uh it was i was at a place where i was like i can't i can't write screenplays maybe i'm not cut out for this because i had been reading for a uh, one of the screenwriting contests. That's quite a, a big contest out here. I can't tell you which one, but because I'm a secret reader. But uh, oh. and so I re- I was reading about 500 scripts a year, and I was like, what am I gonna write that's different than these? And I sort of wasn't trusting the the way I write, which is very surreal in the first place. So so anyway, Michael. Um, Michael kind of really gave me a chance. He was and and said, "Well, you know, stay within the." I mean, he didn't say this like a Nazi or anything, but he 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 said, "Stay within these." You know, he basically was essentially giving me boundaries, and then I could sort of just bounce my weird characters and weird ideas around inside those boundaries. So we still came out with a. a, a slightly understandable story. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Then I got into watching a lot of noir, and then I fell in love with the way that noir has this really stylized dialogue and, you know, this kind of pitter-patter stylized dialogue where everybody's saying a quip every sort of (laughs) few (laughs) seconds. And there was a wonderful movie uh, I really remember called Heat Lightning, which was in probably 1940s, like desert noir, all filmed out in Joshua Tree. And you're seeing this in the huge Egyptian theater in LA, and the dialogue just took me away. I'm like, ah, oh, that's great. I can write that. Mm. You know, so that it really was a, a huge confidence boost, like uh, at a time when I needed that. Sure. So, still took me seven months to write, but. <laughs> <laughs> but you managed to do it. Uh, and congratulations for doing it. So you you then finished the script and you handed it back to Michael and he went, 
great, let's shoot it. <laughs> what was the process? Yeah, it was like, oh, you're just humoring me. You're just going to shoot the whole movie because you don't want to tell me my script's bad. Huh? <laughs> yeah, oh, it, oh. It's, it's such a bad script. I can't tell him I just have to shoot the whole thing and spend a year of my life, if not more, <laughs> making this thing. Yeah, <laughs> didn't want to hurt your feelings. It's surreal, though. Like, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, you you get used to people blowing hot air out here you know Mm -hmm. so it's it is like until until you actually start filming you are kind of like oh are is this gonna fall apart are they full of smoke you know it's like do they actually really want to make this with me you know Mm. so i i think that that's a very real feeling that that we all have where it's like oh okay cool i'm on board this project i really hope it doesn't fall through Yes, I suppose that must happen quite a lot more in LA. It does happen here a bit, but I, I've heard it happens in LA a lot. And you, you attach yourself to lots of projects. You're like, yeah, I'll do it. But, you know, you don't necessarily expect them all to go through. So that must have been a nice yeah. moment for you, for you both, when suddenly they're going, oh, no, we, it's happening and we're shooting these days. That must have been great. It was phenomenal. And, and I just remember, like, each time, I, I mean, just you, you can, you can, echo Ashley's sentiments uh, uh, about, you know, just how kind and nice this crew is and how humble, you know, it, there was never ego. It, it was, it was always just, let's, let's get the shoot done. You know, let's, let's make sure everybody's doing it to the best of their best of their ability. And both Michael and Guy were the kindest, sweetest filmmakers in, in that capacity. Like, well, if, it, if it's not too much trouble, you know, let's try and film one more take of this. I'm like, yes, we're here. Let's do it. This is so true. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. If you're there, why wouldn't you just get on with it and go, well, we're here. Let's shoot another one. Let's, let's, let's do shoot another one. Right. So I'm going to tell everyone what LA Overnight is about. And then I will play the trailer. Los Angeles Overnight. It's stylized. It's darkly comic. It's satirical neo-noir depicting a city where everyone is chasing the dream of overnight success, uh, especially actresses. So it's after years of a futile struggle on LA's grueling audition circuit. Would-be actress Priscilla um, is bitterly contemplating a permanent return to a humdrum hometown until one one fateful morning in a diner where she waitresses. Priscilla overhears seedy regulars discussing a bizarre riddle that hints at, that hints at hidden loot. She recruits the lovelorn mechanic Benny um, to help crack the code that would fund her Hollywood ambitions. But as the pair encounter a host of colourful but dangerous criminals, it becomes clear that the loot is hot, hefty and blood-soaked. Trailer plays. Fifteen. Fourteen. Deeper, deeper still, deep, with every breath, drifting. Eleven, ten, even now forces you know nothing of bring you the tools to make your way. I'm so sorry that this is late. I... Your mind, body... They manifest success. You smell of fear, Chris. Welcome to the part where you have no friends, and no parents, and no movie roles, and no commercial roles, and no nothing. I have to cut your hours. Seven, six, the universe flows to you. Appetites are down the rabbit hole. 
tracks. Money? There's the puppy. Pick me up at three. I'm gonna ask you a favor. Five. Four. But fortune sides with she who dares. Never fear darkness. Even now, the hour pushes in. Even now, destiny taps its foot. It's mine. Belongs to me. Three, two, one. I didn't know it was your money. Eyes open, but not awake. The closer we get to the light, the more we want to scream. Boom. <laughs> um, so, yeah, how did you get people like Peter Bogdanovich on board or Lynn Shea, who's obviously amazing in Insidious uh, as the, is a creepy sort of wonderful psychic lady and in Something About Mary as well. She's just wonderful. How did you get those two guys on board, Guy? Lynn Shea came along through one of the producers and um, and she just knew a lady who it's all like, you know, it, you know, it's so weird because you you get here and for a few years you don't meet anybody and you're like, Ugh. and then you start to like know people and you're like, Oh, I know this person who knows this person. And, and so when we got Lynn Shay, that was like this huge confidence boost and injection. Cause she, she was, she's pretty, uh, uh she's a really big deal in Hollywood because mm-hmm. of the insidious movies, yeah. um, which are not, you know, and the rest of the world are kind of just horror movies, but, uh, here they're very impressed with Lynn Shay because she's uh, she's uh, uh, she's only in the cat she's only in the category with like Meryl Streep and one other actress who can uh, who is that age and opens a movie you know wow. like gets a big wow. box office in for that first opening weekend so she's it's Meryl Streep and Lynn Shay you know <laughs> in the Hollywood. And everybody's like, wow, she's amazing. So, so how, yeah, um, so how did you get her for, for yours then, for your sort of well, micro-budget movie? We just, we just knew a friend, or somebody knew a friend of hers, and we got her the script, and she liked it. And then she showed up to the set, and, you know, and my, you know, keep in mind, every time somebody was like, oh, I like the script, I'm like, yeah, right, Lynn Shea's going to show up. <laughs> and then she shows up, and I'm like, she's not going to want to do any of these lines. <laughs> yeah, she's going <laughs> to you know, come and have all her own, she's going to be rewritten yeah. the whole thing. Yeah, who wrote this? It was, it was just miraculous to us. And then once we had that huge confidence boost of her, um, Camilla Jackson mm-hmm. uh, sort of came in as a, as a new producer almost, and... Um, had met Peter Boganovich because she does uh, Camilla Jackson does this, uh, does all kinds of things, but she was doing this series of interviews in her apartment okay. uh, for this horror broadcast in uh, Australia. So she would get people like D Wallace from ET and, and Peter Boganovich uh, had made the movie targets and she got a few other horror people up to her apartment <laughs> and, <laughs> And she's like, oh, Peter, I'm producing this movie, you know, uh, do you want to read the script? And then we had Peter Bogdanovich and we were like, he's not going to show up. <laughs> <laughs> and he did. And that's just wonderful. How many days did you actually shoot with Peter? Because obviously all his stuff is in the one wonderful psychotherapist room or that's the idea that it's psychotherapist room. How many days did you actually shoot with him? 
We only shot with him for one day. I and knew he it. Was very sleepy the whole day because he was trying <laughs> to promote that movie with Jennifer Aniston that came out. That he is kind of a screwball comedy. I'm not quite sure what it's called. Uh, anyway, he had just put out that movie, so he was really tired that day, and so he sort of just sat in this room off to the side, and and we just kept filming, filming, filming in that in that crazy, and that was the hottest, hottest space that we had gotten, and we were all just sweltering and sweating, um, and uh, yeah, so it was one day of of filming with Peter Bogdanovich, and it ended really weird. Uh, cause, um, he had, he has all these sort of voiceover lines. And so I was sitting there with his, and he didn't memorize his lines. So I was sitting there with his, his cue cards, uh, <laughs> and like, and he was, they were just sh- shooting his face straight on and just really recording his voice. And so I was just flipping his cue cards. So basically I was like, uh, sitting there going, so Peter Bogdanovich, do you like this line that I wrote for you? <laughs> and, and how about this line? And and then and that's what it felt like, like, oh my God, he's just, <laughs> you know, and so there, uh, let me present to you my writing. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You know, it's so nice, isn't it? When, when someone of stature in, in, in the world that you love and you want to be in actually likes your work and wants to do it and, and wants to be part of it. Yeah, that's, that's, it's really nice. And he's great in the movie. And I think everyone is. I actually really enjoyed it. I enjoyed everyone in Thanks. the cast. I thought everyone was really strong. Uh, and everyone should see it. It's really cool. And it is available now everywhere, um, which we'll talk about again at the end. And it will be in the show notes of where you can watch the movie. Um, Okay, so how was it actually shooting then? Actually, how did you get permission? Because it's so beautiful what is shot. I mean, Stefan uh, Coulson, cinematographer, done an amazing job. It just looks so rich and amazing and um, wonderful to the eye and very pleasing to watch. So, you know, and it's a great story, so it really helps. Um, how did you get permission to shoot in L.A.? How did you go about shooting it? I, I know that a lot of times it would be Michael would call me up and say, hey, I found this great mural. I found this great street art. Are, are you available such and such day at such and such time? And, you know, so I'd, I'd go down there and, and meet them and, and get, you know, get, get a shot in front of the mural or, or in front of, uh, you know, the, the various locations that, that they found. Um, but I, I do know that, like, it was a lot of uh, guerrilla filmmaking (laughs) but a lot of it just going with that indie spirit was very much done on the fly um you know done to uh capitalize on on the locations available in la and um what what was phenomenal about uh steven our our dp was he you know he's able to have a low profile (laughs) as well due to uh the camera and and everything else that um that that he preferred so we didn't need to lug around a lot of lights we we did makeup in cindy the the makeup artist's car you know it's like we we had a very low profile at these places in in la um to uh to make sure that we could actually get them on the on the show's budget yeah Um, yeah that's it's it's proper indie filmmaking and it's it's, you know sometimes in london you 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 do the same thing you sort of go okay we've got to get this shot we've got to go do it this way but you know it's going to be just hope someone doesn't say anything or have you got permissions and occasionally someone will um here it depends where you're shooting yeah 
And would I mean and that must I, happen in LA more often? Oh God, people will turn on their their car radios, you know, and and hopefully get paid like fifty bucks cash to just go away. Like it's it's impressive. Um, everybody kind of is is up on what's happening, and it's it's whether or not you choose to uh, call somebody on it. I guess if if somebody's in a bad mood and and it looks like a big enough production, they'll absolutely try and get something out of it uh, well, if they can. Be well, yeah, because they're so used to people filming, and they they go, well, if you're filming, you've got a load of money, and therefore you should be exactly. paying for my walking <laughs> space. You know, um, you're like, no, no, we're just indie filmmakers. I mean, a lot of the time, we go, we're all students, and they look at you and go, you're not a student, no way. <laughs> well, there must have been that sort of. You know, you've got Peter Bogdanovich, you've got Lynn Shea, you've got others, and yet you're going, okay, well, we might shoot this day and we've got this location, but we might get kicked out and we've got, you know, <laughs> Lynn Shea here and they might just go, sorry, you can't film here. And it's like, oh my gosh, that's, yeah, you don't want to feel that way, <laughs> we, right? How was that guy? Oh, we definitely uh, made sure that we wouldn't get kicked out on Peter and Lynn's day. Oh, good. <laughs> those, those locations were all very assiduously rented and Got, done yeah. right. Fine, uh, fine. Yeah. Uh, the, but anytime we had Ariel, man, we were just like, oh, meet us under the bridge at four o'clock. It's <laughs> <laughs> brilliant. Yeah. Let's yeah. just go shoot, shoot and do it. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 And I mean, they don't, they don't, it's funny in LA, like I, I really wish LA was more like you'd walk out your door and you'd be like, oh, so-and-so's shooting across the street. Cool. You know, and, but you, you, you kind of don't see as many filmmaking crews as you wish you did. I mean, I just wish everybody was fil- running around and filming all of um, but they don't, they don't really bother you. If you, as long as you don't have a, a bunch of lights and cables draped across the sidewalk, I mean, if you're just a camera and a and a dude holding a mic, then you're you're kind of okay to get away with it. And we were, but we were always terrified. Uh, we were gonna get some big fat thousand dollar fine or something like that. Mm. So, but uh, but no, they never bothered us. So, so what would you say the best way to film in LA is? What's the tactic? Um, don't ask permission and um but we did have insurance like we weren't being Mm. stupid like we we had uh you know like when we did stunts we had azim who was a a fight coordinator and we were very safe about everything and we had insurance if anybody broke their finger or whatever. So we we wouldn't have been like... Just specifically you know, finger. Anything so else and say, you're fucked. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't want to suggest any guerrilla filmmaking or give anybody any bad ideas or anything. But if you want to go film, you know, on the bike path, just uh, beg forgiveness and, let's <laughs> and and not get the permit. But do, do definitely have insurance because... Because of somebody, you know, absolutely, I t- yeah, hundred percent agree yeah. with that. Insurance is the main thing because it's people's lives potentially can get. People do get injured on film sets a lot of the time, so uh, I, yeah. I, I hundred percent agree. Insurance, get your insurance and try and do the rest for as as cheap as you can. Um, you know, you've also got some amazing like 
you've got top shots, big drone shots on the beach. You've got the big drone shot with the car when you're by the car guy. And it, then you've got uh, there's a lovely shot when you, you're doing all the running towards the end and you're going down the hill and you've got that beautiful vista shots. <laughs> you know, that wonderful production value you've managed to put into this film. Again, those locations, was it a case of, look, we know LA pretty well. And we're, we're just going to go, right, this is where we're filming. And we're just going to go for it. And we stick a drone in the air until someone tells us we can't. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This episode is brought to you by Etsy. Looking to instantly upgrade your Mother's Day gift from typical to meaningful? Shop Etsy. Now until May 12th, get up to 30% off personalized jewelry, style, decor, and so many other items mom will love. And if you want her to know you put a ton of thought into her present, use Gift Mode. Gift Mode on Etsy takes the stress out of gifting so you can easily find well-crafted, original, and affordable pieces from small shops. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about mom, and Gift Mode instantly gives you curated ideas based on hundreds of personas. Need something original and affordable for Mother's Day? Etsy has it. Shop until May 12th for up to 30% off gifts for mom. Terms apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yeah, we were terrified with the drone, too. Like, yeah, <laughs> you know, you kind of have this feeling like, I'm filming, I'm filming, and I'm eating broken glass. <laughs> yeah. But because uh, I'm so nervous that I'm going to get arrested or I don't know what you like now. I'm like, I don't know what we imagined would happen. Nobody's going to really anyway. But, uh, yeah, the drones, uh, had drones had just started started to become popular. And so Michael was, Oh, we got these drones. We got We got to get a drone. We got to get it. So we had like two drone guys and then Michael finally rented his own drone and, and, uh, and <laughs> he's oh, like, wow. I'm going to, learn how to make a fly, fly a drone so we just me and michael at one point were running around doing drone shots um and then the locations uh 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 one cool thing like when i was in london making movies i was always like oh the doorknobs are different from american doorknobs you know and all that <laughs> stuff and so i saw where michael was seeing la like that whereas i'm just like oh it's boring america but michael was like ah oh, there's there's palm trees and mm. and so we were just sort of wandering around la uh finding all these locations and i like to uh, you know explore a lot on the um in the hills so that's so great. that's where yeah same as me when i went to la it, it's it's the same as you guys coming to london you see 
this wow look at this and look at that and we go yeah yeah no no we've seen it it's the same you know when the same when we come to LA and Michael's Australian so he'll see the same thing and go but look at this and this is beautiful and I imagine it reminded him of the movies he'd seen and the things that looked great and that you know he go I can shoot this and I can do this and you're going well yeah all right but you know he he saw it and yeah, honestly the films it's it's stunning to watch um talk talk us through the sort of the the moment you'd, you'd finished the film you got it edited how long did that take how long was the process there from actually finishing shooting to get it uh ready yeah well this should give every indie filmmaker hope but uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, a dose of reality but you know we it was like you were saying before we just were down the rabbit hole so far like a like a dachshund going after a rabbit like that we had, we couldn't turn back, you know, and so we just somehow astonishingly kept filming, and so it took nine months of shooting um, on weekends because Michael and I and Ariel all had day jobs, mm-hmm. and then and and um, and Michael had like booked a European vacation <laughs> already <laughs> in the middle, and we thought we would be done, and we weren't, and and. Ariel's husband, Hank, was Hank Braxton. He was really super helpful. Like he did all sorts of tech stuff for us after we got the film done. But, but <laughs> Ariel was like, I was coming home to him and he was like, yeah, you're still shooting that movie? <laughs> <laughs> but it went on forever, nine months on the weekends, basically. And then um, and then it took another six months for Michael, uh, largely just Michael and a girl named Melanie Annan to edit it. and then to find a distributor took like a year and, and how were you doing um, that were you just sending it out to distrib- distributors were you doing screenings what was happening yeah and we had terrible time getting into we only got into a couple of festivals and wow. and we and finally camilla jackson um the producer went to work at this place called arena cine lounge mm. and arena cine lounge is owned by christian mioli and Christian Mealy became our executive producer, and he's the one who finally found our distributor for us. But that was, you know, the, from the beginning, from Michael saying, write the script, to now, it's been five years. So yeah. it does take a while. People have to just be like, okay, this is going to take a while, and I'm going to be married to these people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> for, for five <laughs> so years. I've seen them every day. And even know? longer, you know, it's not going to stop there. You know, you still be doing... Uh, stuff for it in a year's time i imagine it just keeps going it never ends yeah yeah so how was the how was the first screening actually how was that for you when you were sort of like maybe it's the if you did a premiere or something or you know a sort of cast and crew screening i remember going to the i think it might have been the very first test screening um i was just excited to see it uh it's it's come a long way you know they um it was much longer and uh it's it's really when I saw it recently at the premiere. Um, I think that was. I want to say that was my. It might have been my second or third time to see it, but it was just so tight and fluid and just so well edited. And uh, it was really cool to see the process actually for me. You know, the first time I saw it, I wasn't freaked out at all by anything, just because I 
have been through the producing process. I know what it's like when you're first going through raw footage to your first cut to your second cut to who knows however many cuts before you get there. And um, that's one thing is, you know, it's so helpful as an actor to also produce because you will never complain on set again. It's just you get so used to everything, nothing phases you. And so it's a really great learning experience. I love that. It's so true. (laughs) It really is. Every actor should do some producing, understand the other side of it. And then it makes you a better actress as well or an actor. It really does. Um, I agree. Because you you just, yeah, there's none of that bitching, moaning when you're on set going, oh, why is this? You you know, (laughs) you understand what's going on. It's huge. It really is. Ariel, how was it for you? It was very surreal sharing it with people that we had made this with, with blood, sweat and tears and knowing the hard work that went into it and knowing that there is no overnight success and, and that there is no, you know, golden ticket. Um, and, and then sharing it also with people that have the tinsel in their eyes and the stars in their eyes that Hollywood gives people. And like, you know, just getting this weird, like, star worship thing when I'm not anything big, you know, yet. Um, so it was, it was surreal for, for a lot of, a lot of those elements, but mainly it was just joy getting to actually experience this with people that, you know, we had gone through the trenches with, like, these are battle buddies when you're filming. (laughs) Totally totally true. It really is. It's battle buddies. The same with my movie, The Dare. Yeah. I had to do some reshoots. It was a year later that I could do the reshoots when the studio was free, when my actors were free. It's a whole year later. And it's battle buddies. They're there forever, you know, and, you know, hopefully when the movie comes out later this summer, that you've still got that strong bond. It doesn't go away. Um, Yes. Yeah. And and it's interesting too. Like I I had um I I produced and directed this documentary, this PBS special that got Emmy nominated. Wow. And and that that happened last that happened in 2017 where we went we went to the Emmy ceremony oh, congratulations. and like huge. Thank you. Thank you. And and like but just seeing that world you know, and, and living and breathing the indie world where like you're, you're over the moon if you get a hundred grand for a project, mm-hmm. you yep, know, yep. like that's big budget for the indie level. Big, yeah. And even in LA, <laughs> even in LA is that even big? Cause it's big here, you know, it's big enough. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you, you are drooling over a, a quarter million project thinking that it's out of reach, you know, it's mm-hmm. like you to, to get, to, to just see the, the disparities between the tiers of filmmakers and and it really just reinforces again the struggle and like that there is no guaranteed element um, that you can pursue for quote unquote success but but to appreciate the success that you do have like be proud of a movie like this to be proud of a role to be proud of your co-stars I mean I am thrilled I am so thrilled for the performances that like Ashley and Jamie and and Ruben and Azim like everybody gave their whole heart to this project yes and it shows it really and, does and so you you get to celebrate real successes with people that you love and admire that you went through this huge journey with it's it's phenomenal having a project you can be this proud of with people that you love and admire and are thrilled for and are thrilled for you 
Yes. Um, that is success. That is success. And you all should be very proud, honestly. It's a wonderful film. I want everyone to watch it. Now tell us where can people see it? Um, Guy, you might be the best to describe this for everyone. Uh, yeah, actually. <laughs> actually, up, maybe not. <laughs> uh, I might pick up this email that Michael sent me with all the platforms. But um, um, it's, it's uh, most probably it's on iTunes uh, in the UK, it's it's on the Amazon UK site now, mm-hmm. um, and also in America, it's on Fandango now. Uh, uh, let me see if I can find this email. Voodoo. It should be it should be pretty much everywhere now. Like, um, except it's not on Netflix or or Hulu yeah. You or do that last. Do that last. Sort of yeah. Yeah, you do those those last. So it's first it comes out on the video and demand things mm-hmm. like yeah, where you uh, can earn the actual money on YouTube yeah. movies. And um, but I'm not sure what you guys get over there, but it's definitely on Amazon UK for you guys. Great, I'll put all this in the show notes, Guy. If you can send me that email with the list i'll put it all oh, in true. there so people can get it our uh, viewers all across the world uh, listeners even listeners across all across the world will be able to uh, find where they can watch this movie and i really recommend it if you like noir films if you like thrillers if you like brilliant acting and a brilliant film that's beautifully shot and i'm not blowing smoke up anyone's ass i, I mean it i really enjoyed this film it was right up my street i uh, enjoyed every bit of it um it's called oh, LA Overnight, and honestly, go check it out. Go watch this movie and support indie film as best you can, because um, that's what it's all about, supporting each other, because we kind of forget that sometimes when we're making films. Um, and what's been yeah. great about me doing this podcast is I've been able to watch a lot of really cool indie movies that I might not have seen, and I, I can only do my best to recommend them to everyone as much as I can. And our listeners yeah, will love I'd this. say that- now that we've been through this, I don't mean to sound like a veteran or something, mm-hmm. but to these to these kids today out there who want to make movies, it, it 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 really doesn't matter where you are. You don't have to come to Hollywood and be homeless on crack for <laughs> yeah, preferably not. Like, yeah. And 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 you can stay in Omaha, Nebraska, or or uh, 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 Cumbria in England. Yay, <laughs> Cumbria, yeah. <laughs> Um, and and the technology is, you know, they say that they say there's always that dude that or that quote about if filmmaking would just be as cheap as writing, then then it'll become a true art when everybody can just pull out a piece of paper and a pencil and write a book. Yeah, you know, then film and so it's really getting like that. And the equipment is very cheap, and you can get all the stuff you need mm-hmm. um, anywhere you are, and um, and, and all you got to do, the only secret that you learn in Hollywood, really, is getting somebody else's money. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's the secret. That's what we're all after. Getting someone else's money so that we can go make films. Right? There it is right there. That's the secret. <laughs> the secret to indie film right there. As someone who has money to spare. Yeah. Yeah. Someone has money to spare. Yeah. And if they're going to invest it in a film, they usually do. Uh, they do it for the love of it. Great stuff. Uh, guys, this has been so fantastic. Thank you very much for your time. Um, so where can people follow you on social media? We always like to help, uh, you know, get extra followers and people like to follow who they've been listening to. So actually, let's start with you. Where can people find you online? Oh, really? 
mainly just uh, Instagram. I don't do a ton of social media. So Instagram at XO Ashley Park is the best place to find me. Super. Uh, mm-hmm. Ariel? Um, I am trying to stay more connected on social media. Uh, so I'm, I'm on Instagram at Ariel Brackfeld, uh, A-R-I-E-L-L-E, Brackfeld, B-R-A-C-H-F-E-L-D, Twitter at A Brackfeld, and uh, Facebook at Ariel Sarah Brackfeld. And then I have a, a page I really should do more with at Ariel Brackfeld. So, um, but the, the nice thing is, is you'll get lots of Ninja Turtle photos and cat pictures. <laughs> and who doesn't well. want that? Who doesn't want that? Exactly. So nice. Exactly. <laughs> and Guy, what about, you, what about yourself? This sounds like a, this sounds like a therapy, uh, a, a social media anonymous group. Well, I used, overused social media for several years. Now I come to rest on Facebook and, uh, Facebook, our, our page is called Los Angeles Overnight Movie. And, uh, you can all follow us there. And then I'm, I'm just on Facebook as Guy J. Jackson on Twitter as Guy J. Jackson. And we also have a, a, a Los Angeles overnight, which weirdly is called at LA underscore overnight on Twitter there. Yes. So it, it had the old title. Love it. Um, but you can follow us at Filmmakers Pod on the Twitter. You can follow me at Giles Alderson. Um, if you've enjoyed listening to this, please like, share, and subscribe to us on iTunes. Um, if nothing else, give us a little thumbs up. If nothing else, give us a lovely retweet. LA Overnight or Los Angeles Overnight is available now. It's on Amazon in the UK. It's on many other platforms all across the world. Check it out. It's wonderful. Ashley, thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Thank you so much. Pleasure. Guy, thank you. Thank you so much. This has been a real pleasure. Thanks. So cool to hear an English accent, too. <laughs> thank you. And Ariel, um, um, thank you very much as well. Thank you. And and again, thank you so much for the work that you're doing to support indie film. And I look forward to watching your movie as, as soon as it comes out. I thank you very much. Everyone will know about it by then. I'm sure I'll be doing my best. Um, guys, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. We'll, uh, um, remember, everyone else, uh, next Tuesday, the episodes are always out Tuesday. That's a given. Um, thanks very much. See you later. Bye. Let's speak soon. Thank Bye, you. Bye, Bye. Thank you. Bye. Thank you.